Okay, so um, this evening's talk is about the Eightfold Path that the Buddha taught. Um, that is the, the theme for this weekend. Um, so I hope to give some kind of an overview um, and reflect a, a little on some of the aspects of that path and hopefully in a way where we can kind of feel out for ourselves how, how we connect with that, how it can become real for, for us. Um, so I hope to contribute to that and to talk a little bit about how our practice together here relates to this path. So uh, the Buddha referred to this, this path as the middle way, the middle way between self-mortification and self-indulgence. So I wonder if anyone's noticed any self-mortification today <laughs> or any self-indulgence and uh, you know, the different way <laughs> the different ways that that manifests in our experience you know in very gross ways sometimes and sometimes very subtle and uh, self-mortification how do you do it <laughs> um there's so many ways um, can be referring to these very harsh ascetic practices of denial of various kinds that can be um, some ways a, a part of, of practice that can be helpful but it's the Buddha was talking about the extremes of self-punishment self-denial self-rejection judgment yeah, sound familiar and you know this is something that uh, I think we're all afflicted with uh, to some degree at different times and, and then the other extreme self-indulgence and how, how easy it is to you know, be drawn towards those things that are going to make me happy and make it all right. And how we can go chasing off after all of that, you know, either in our minds or down the road and <laughs> here and there. And um, how how difficult life can become if we if we get lost in that so maybe you can see that in your life as well as maybe today the way uh, yeah we'll what we see here we'll see in our life and vice versa um, so the Buddha taught uh, a way 
between these extremes. Mm. So, so what might that be? What is what is the way? It's not sort of a little bit of mortification and not too much self-indulgence, but is somehow some radically different way of relating to the world, to experience, to a way of understanding what our life is. So I wanted to read you a little bit of what the Buddha said about what this middle way is. He said, and this was um, in the very first discourse he gave after his enlightenment. So he says, And what monks is that middle way awakened to by the Tathagata? That's how he referred to himself. It is this noble eightfold path that is right view, right intention, right speech, right action, right livelihood, right effort, right mindfulness, right concentration. This monk is that middle way awakened to by the Tathagata which gives rise to vision which gives rise to knowledge and leads to peace, to direct knowledge, to enlightenment, to Nibbana. So if you're wondering what we're doing here, that's a hint. It's about that. And um, so this uh, liberation of mind and heart, what what might that be? I wanted to read something uh, beautiful, um, a piece from a great Thai forest teacher, Ajahn Chah, that just gives us perhaps a taste, a flavor of, of that mind that we all have the capacity to know, that potential that we all we all have. So Ajahn Chah says, try to be mindful and let things take their natural course. Then your mind will become still in any surroundings like a clear forest pool. All kinds of wonderful, rare animals will come and drink at the pool, and you will clearly see the nature of all things. You will see many strange and wonderful things come and go, but you will be still. This is the happiness of the Buddha. So, um, with that in mind... I'd like to um, just go over those the elements of the path and often in the discourses they are actually laid out in a, in a different way um, in a different sort of order and it's it's a nice sort of way of, of, of remembering there are these three groupings the first one 
um, is is sila, is the, the the ethical, moral part of right action, right speech, and right livelihood. And often that would be what would be taught first as as a foundation to practice, um, along with dana or generosity. Um, so those two would often be that's the the foundation, the beginning of the, of the training. And then um, it would move through the training in samadhi, in meditation. So the right effort, right mindfulness, and right concentration. And that would be the clarifying, steadying, strengthening of the mind. And then that would open into the third aspect, the wisdom aspect, the understanding, the right view, and the right intention. So there's a kind of a sense of off of a flow through but also that that in a way all of these elements are together that that's part of what when the word right is used it's it's a rightness of them being together there's like a, a, a road that you walk on and the surface is made of a number of different materials that you can't separate to make a good road and they meld together so these elements of sila, samadhi, and panya of morality, uh, meditation, or steadiness of mind, and wisdom, the understanding, the insight—how these all—they're all supporting, feeding each other, and sometimes described as a, as a sort of virtuous spiral. That, that they're feeding and, and building and supporting, supporting each other. So they are they are not ideas, but they are tools or strategies. They're very uh, very practical. And I don't know if you can just from that introduction that we have been actually practicing the path all day. We we're by being here and Following the, agreeing to follow the precepts that we talked about last night by our um, non-harming our kindness our um, taking care of uh, the place here and not taking what's not offered all of that is the path really uh, really central key foundational aspect of the path so this is and then there's the there's the meditation that we've been doing this coming back to the breath <laughs> again and again and again and that training that beginning to train the mind being able to uh, incline and shape the mind in ways that that are um helpful and lead towards happiness and lead towards liberation and the panya the, the wisdom the beginning to see see things clearly um, there is this is very direct sense of our own experience connection with, with what's around us and then growing different kinds of insight into into ourselves into our relationships into our world and then more universal kinds of insights into um, to phenomena into the way the way things are. 
so we are <laughs> we, we're doing I hope that's that's clear you know we're doing it if you're if you're practicing you know you're on the path it's that intention um, and that uh, that that making that effort um, that in a sense every moment of mindfulness every moment of coming back to the breath to the object of meditation we are embodying the path we are that's it that's that's what it is okay Um, so I'd like to go through the, the elements of the path then again in the order that, um, that that they are in the what I read out and so there we will start with the, the wisdom aspect of the, the right view and right intention and then we'll go on to the sila the morality or ethics part and then depending on how the time goes <laughs> um, may uh, not spend so much time on the last part because in a way that's what what we're doing most of the weekend the, the meditation, the mindfulness and the um, and the effort in, in that uh, so I may spend more time on that so I was thinking actually just before I came in I was thinking about this word right and different words that you can when the Buddha says you know right, right view it's not meaning right as in not wrong and right or wrong good or bad but I, th- I thought it's right for the job. That's what came into my mind. <laughs> it's like if you're interested in the li- liberation of mind and heart, then the kind of view that's right for the job is, is this. <laughs> it's kind of, I don't know if that works for you. Okay, so um, I'd like to read from another discourse, another sutta, just so the Buddha says about right view there are lots of different aspects of this but this is one really the key pretty central one um, so he says and what monks is right view he often does this he asks a question and he answers it himself <laughs> and he says knowledge of suffering knowledge of the origin of suffering knowledge of the cessation of suffering Knowledge of the way leading to the cessation of suffering. This is called right view. So these are the the four noble truths. Um, And so the path to happiness is all about or is... is, um, Growing out of the soil of suffering, of um, this coming to understand what that is uh, and how we can uh, meet that in a way which helps to free the mind. And so, um, we're asked to to understand this 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 experience of, of suffering. The the Pali word is dukkha, dukkha, d u k k h a, 
and it really includes a whole range of uh, unsatisfactoriness or the unsatisfying aspects of life from very subtle to to very great anguish and so there's the sense that we all just through being born face certain kinds of pains of um, of 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 birth and aging sickness and death our own and other people's and that um, there is the suffering of 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 change of just things not we just can't um, we can't uh, keep hold of anything it's all slipping away changing all the time and how uh, suffering that there can be they can be in that um, and then the suffering of our of our, our our patterns our habits our ways of reacting and how how we create that part of how we create suffering for ourselves and the way that we respond and and react to things so the Buddha is saying there there is a way of understanding this whereby we can free ourselves from the the suffering that there there can be unsatisfactoriness there can be pain but if we can find a way of um, not not struggling not this is sense of resisting so we we then into the looking into the the, the second noble truth of of um, the origin what he says or the the cause of suffering and um, this is typically described as craving. And if you, and, and, and the different kinds of, of craving and the different ways that manifest that we feel that in our minds, our bodies, in our, in our feelings, I wanted to try and give some, some sort of senses of that. Um, so it can, it can be that seeking after sense pleasure, this image of a, a sort of, we walk around like with great big long tentacles sticking out with all these little suckers on that just like sticking onto things and he's <laughs> walking along through life and just everything you know looking and seeking and then kind of clamping onto things and people and ideas and so there's also the aspect of clinging craving and clinging wanting and then getting hold of things but then they they have hold of us also had the image of a of this sort of velcro coat you know velcro is stuff with these little hooks it's like you're wearing be very uncomfortable wouldn't it Velcro and then everything in the world has these other little hooks and so it all gets hooked on end up being very very heavy so it, it's like a way that, that things stick to us or because we're the way, that, the way that we're relating the way that we keep looking for you know, um, the way out, out out there I said the image of a hoover so there's a kind of craving we have. <laughs> you know, I'm trying to, you know, I do it sometimes. The view is so beautiful here, and you go, I just want to kind of <laughs> hoover it all up, you know. And then there's the other kind of craving where you, you're trying to get rid of a whole, you know, take it away. This pain in the body or whatever. So I do hoover the hoover on the other, you know, the blow function. So if you're trying to blow everything away, you know. Um, 
Sometimes it, you can experience that as a, yeah, you're running away, backing away, hiding, trying to make yourself invisible. So craving can have a lot of different manifestations, a lot of different uh, senses. I think resistance, you know, that's just don't, just don't want it to be like this. No. Or I also think the should, you know, I should, you should, we should have, they should have, they shouldn't have. This kind of sense of like, you know, that not, be, not wanting uh, things to be as they are. And how futile, how futile that is, but how mm, kind of ingrained, ingrained it is. One other image, and again, I don't know if this works for you, but really, really stuck in my mind of, of uh, a dog. I love dogs, so I, I notice things that dogs do. And there's obviously a lot of projection onto this dog of human sort of uh, predicament. But there was a dog once I saw, quite a big dog, big jaws, and it had its big jaws clamped really firmly around this uh, the kind of little branch of a tree and its its feet were off the ground so this dog was dangling in midair with its teeth clapped going, you know whimpering whimpering and trying to get this stick you know so it could go it didn't realize that this stick was attached to a really big tree there was no way you know and I and I felt really sorry for the dog, and I, you know, I sort of wished the owners would get the dog down and everything. But I just somehow really stayed, and I thought that's that seems very familiar. <laughs> you know, that sense of clamping onto things. You know, it won't, and you're sort of twitching, and why isn't it coming out? So I remember that dog. So this is uh, craving. The second noble truth is this part of, of right view, right understanding if we can understand suffering and we can understand that what's causing the, the unnecessary part of the suffering is this craving can we let go this is the instruction, the first noble truth to be understood the second craving is to be abandoned can we let go can we I know, can we realize we're, you know, it's a big tree, let go. And in a way, see, so yeah, you can just let go. Okay, done, dusted, I'm off. It's not so easy, maybe. But also maybe not so difficult as we think. And again, you get so tangled up. What have I got to do? I've got to do 16 retreats of at least three, and then maybe, oh, so can't complicating uh, things how can we in this moment maybe just relax a bit you know it's making it making it realistic doable we can practice every moment with the really small things which are not necessarily easier always but (laughs) so it's um it's really yeah, important. And then the third noble truth is this the cessation of suffering, the the uh, from p- 
partial to you know, complete liberation where the mind, the heart is completely freed from this clinging, this craving, this attachment, this struggle with life. But every time we let go, even a little, that's it. That's it. Know that. Know that, that feeling. Get to know that, value that. And in a way, you know, that's, 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 follow that. That's maybe part of this, understanding this middle way. Um, and then the, the fourth noble truth is this eightfold noble path that we're, we're going through, which is to be cultivated. So this, um, I think one of the, the key parts of this is that it's, it is active. It, it's it's not lie down and think about it and you know it's 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 actually really asking you know if you have to actually participate you have to cultivate this understanding you know reflect look into your life look into your experience it's, it's really very very active so much of meditation is about in a way stopping and stilling and being receptive and letting go of, of a lot of doing and activity but there's also a sense of understanding how how active we, we have to be as well in, in some ways so just before we move on from right view I just wanted to really emphasize the practicality of these four noble truths so if you it's in your life you know, in this moment you know, is there suffering If there is, how is that being supported and perpetuated? What can I, what can I do to help? What can I do will actually alleviate that suffering, whether it's you know our own suffering or the suffering of another. And then have that, having that, having that wise reflection, and and then actually being able to. Um, do what helps or stop doing what isn't helping so you know, sometimes it's also about refraining so the, these can be very practical, you know, in this moment what am I holding on to, what am I resisting and even if there's no answer I sometimes find if just even asking if you're in the middle of a big upset and you, and you can have the mindfulness and remember oh wait a minute, okay what's going on can make a huge difference because you're already in that moment making the step you know towards actually being aware of rather than just lost in the middle of so it's very it's very you know this is very practical and you can maybe create your own sort of question little questions that you can uh, you can use and then as the sense of some sense of you know and there's some sense of release and movement you can say oh Noticing that, noticing that, that the the suffering changes, it arises and passes, arises and passes. Very, very important to see that because sometimes you feel I'm always like this, you know. Maybe not. Probably not. Okay, so um, right intention. Um, so just okay. Um,
So he says, right intention. And what monks is right intention? Intention of renunciation, intention of non-ill will, intention of harmlessness. This is called right intention. So this factor of intention, of uh, the, the motivating, moving quality of mind is picked out as being the most important of all the 52 mental factors that are listed, all the different kinds of um, qualities or factors of mind. Intention is so important. And it, this, this links with the, the idea of, of, of karma, where our actions, and especially our intentional actions are key in shaping our experience so that we need to really bring basically bringing mindfulness and awareness to what our intention is in any moment and also then seeing looking at the consequences of, of an action because often we can, we can see we can get feedback about our motivations, intentions which are sometimes really not, not clear or quite mixed from from the result. Um, so that to to foster wholesome intentions and helpful intentions, skillful intentions are is is a really it's it's a very um, very potent Aspect that's not always so so obvious, and I think it takes a huge amount of patience because, you know, I think all of us feel those movements of the mind which are, you know, hostile and irritable and greedy, and all of that is very much part of part of our experience, and, and that can sometimes seem very predominant. But by consciously inclining the mind, it's this training, it's this seeing this whole path as a training and like Jake was saying last night to know where you're going okay so the inclining might keep bringing it back to kindness and we're going on and on about kindness all day right <laughs> this is why because it's it's then more and more where the mind will oh that's where it will start going and that's where, and then that will start feeding into our whole life a whole sense of our experience of ourself our relationships, everything. So again, everything with the very small things all is contributing to this kind of a change of, like it's a change of inner climate or atmosphere. And I sometimes think many of us kind of have this very harsh inner environment of judgment. And, and I know it's, it's quite a, a journey to even realise how much of that is going on and then how much that translates into the way we relate to other people you know and what we're doing in our jobs and like then that all of that can become so you know kind of infected with this kind of uh, this inner harshness so that to really um, cultivate that in our meditation and retreat and, and, and all the time really is, is going to have a big impact on, our, on, on all of our life but it does take a tremendous amount of patience and really looking and, and seeing without judgment because we're always going to be bumping up against the not so skillful. So it's 
really important to to have that um, sense of, of patience and kindness and learning to not to not judge. So, the three wise intentions of of renunciation, letting go, sort of saying, letting go of um, one aspect of of the mental proliferation, you know, the the noise of the mind, and what a, uh, you know, what what peace can can come from just letting go of of that and and simple coming back to the breath um, and letting go of those stories of what I have to have or what I can't have or what I am or what I am not and much of this mental proliferation is this uh, preoccupation with the self with self view so as we as we begin to um, to let go of that rather than following it feeding it we start kind of quite starts opening up this whole question of well, what is this I business going on here who is that what is that and that then can lead to a deeper understanding of 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 of, of what we are um, so we can ask ourselves with renunciation with what what we can let go of and asking ourselves you know, what what do I truly need in order to be happy yeah. so we could take that up as a, a question when we're holding on to things really questioning what we think we, we have to have and with non-ill will again it which kind of translates as, as um, kindness one aspect I wanted to, to bring out again is the, the element of non non-fighting you know, Kittisara teacher refers to that um, being able to relate to experience without without fighting without pushing, struggling with it, against it um, and really getting to know that quality in our, ourselves of being able to meet experience um, in that in that way without that without that kind of aggression and then the harm harmlessness the intention to harmlessness which is again something as I was saying we've been practicing here and compassion which is the sort of positive um, aspect of, of that where we are because we are um, refraining from harm it's part of being then more sensitive to harm in a way to suffering and then being able to uh, again meet that and not be overwhelmed and be able to respond with um, wisdom with what helps Again, whether it's our own suffering or or someone else's, so that that compassion is very much an an, an aspect of the of the awakened mind. Um, so these two these two aspects of the of the of the of the wisdom that that 
first two elements of the path. Um, they are very much about learning to discern uh, between the wholesome and the unwholesome to say what what is really um, leading towards alleviating suffering or ending suffering and what is actually feeding it is actually adding to it or making it worse to learn to, to, to see that and that's a real practice in a training it's to have the courage um, and again developing um, the with the meditation a clarity and the steadiness of mind to be able to actually to see and to through that find this, this middle way from moment to moment so then we have the, the sila the, the, the morality which is um, again a great gift that we give to ourselves and to the world I think the world needs the world needs our sila, needs it needs our ethical sensitivity in so many so many ways, and that this very much comes out of the understanding that you know our actions again, as saying with karma, our actions have consequences for for us and for others. Um, so it it matters what we do, what we do matters, makes a difference, has an impact in many ways that we don't necessarily see. Um, in taking on the, the precepts, you know, the non-harming and and so on, you may think about how that works in your life, and how how much you know that then is a support and a way of exploring, reflecting on um, on your life. I wanted to mention a, um, a, a reflection that I had on. When we approach sort of those, I don't know, rules or guidelines, maybe there's certain sorts of uh, of responses, and I I thought one is a sort of what I might call wise discomfort, and another is maybe an unwise discomfort, and I I felt like as I was thinking about the precepts and the and and in these and these guidelines, some some of that would bring up guilt or judgment, you know, I'm not good enough and I've made all these mistakes or I compare myself to other people or I think about what I should be doing, I have these ideals you know, sort of perfectionistic ideas and that is not so helpful way of relate, relating or you know trying to be a good person and you know, develop this sort of good persona which I think is really can be quite, quite a common sort of trap but rather the wise discomfort of allowing these precepts to sort of challenge us kind of to, to prod us in our comfort zones you know that so, so much of our behavior gets so kind of habitual and comfortable in a way even if it's not serving us so it's, it's actually allowing ourselves to be to be dis, to be discomforted and that actually that can be very positive very wholesome that we then we're learning, you know, and with support from from others, from wise friends, through wise reflection, we can actually, you know, learn learn from that. So it's sort of opening in a way to that suffering without getting into the self judgment. And this means I'm, you know, bad and doing it wrong and all of that. It's not. It's it's it's. I think it's a very strengthening. It's a very strengthening 
um, thing. So with the sila, there's this um, bringing the, the wisdom, if you like, the understanding from addressing suffering, from understanding that, from um, looking at the kinds of intentions that serve us, that actually promote our happiness, and then looking at the actions in our lives that actually embody those understandings, you know, and those intentions. Because I think so much there is this understanding that we have, but we don't quite make the connection with with what we're what we're doing. So, in a way, sort of al- allowing, you know, allowing that. And the two two sort of aspects of the the refraining from the just not doing it, right? Sort of making that really simple part of, of, of ethical conduct or restraint. You just don't. You just walk past that door. You don't go in. And it's and again that's a training. That's a training. You know, it it's it's um sometimes has to be that simple. And sometimes then there's the cultivation side of developing the, the kindness and the generosity um, and the giving and all these other qualities of patience and forbearance and so on that kind of are taking the place of um, the, the less skillful aspects. And, and, the, and the last piece I think is so, so important is to appreciate and recognize what skillfulness you are already embodying just by being here by practicing and quite probably like so many of us we just don't really um, acknowledge the goodness in ourselves and the goodness in our in our lives all the small and the larger acts of kindness and generosity and it's just so so important to to acknowledge that and just again training training the mind to uh, to to build up that that sense and and the happiness that comes from um, skillful behaviour, from kindness, from generosity, from compassion, and that if you when you notice that it's it's a it's a a very wholesome kind of pleasure and joy, and then when you notice it more, I think you get drawn more to doing those things that bring those feelings, and it it, it builds and it. Uh, so these two um, parts of the path, the wisdom and the sila and how they uh, support each other and are supported by meditation. Ajahn Chah again said, with virtue as a basis for everything you do, your mind will become calm, clear and quiet. Meditation will grow easily in this soil. So when we are living in a way which really accords with our deepest values, we will have a mind that is not filled with the agitation of remorse and regret and so on. And so um, we'll be much more able to... um, Engage in the in the meditation and to for that to really um, come to fruition. So the samadhi, this right effort, right mindfulness, and right concentration, 
just very briefly, that's what we're all what we're cultivating here, this effort to come back, the patience, the persistence, and the beginning to see what are the conditions that actually support calm and clarity and kindness, and really beginning to learn that for ourselves so that we can support those conditions and let go more and more of the conditions that lead to agitation, that lead to ill will lead to unhappiness. So, conclusion. Um, This is um, this path, this this Eightfold path with the three the three aspects. It's it's um, a path that I think we need to understand is is here. You know, it's in our hearts. It's it's. I was thinking in one way, it's a path from here to here. Some paths go from here to there. This one goes from here to here. It's always here, and that in some ways it's a. It's a change of perspective. It's it's a shift in understanding where true happiness actually lies, um, and a, a growing understanding of where to look and where to seek, which is in the heart. Um, also, to say, as I'm sure is very obvious, that. It's not in 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 our experiences. Is not kind of a straight, you know, progression. We do this and then boom, you know, it's uh, can feel like a zigzag path or a winding path, or a, you know that it has a lot of ups and downs and times you feel very lost. And just again with the faith and the confidence that that's that's part of it, um, but that we need each other in that so finding friends community wise supportive friends is really really important to help her keep us going sometimes and to help us reflect on understand where where we are and how we can how we can support our way our way forward so um wanted to finish with um, a quotation from um, an American Tibetan Buddhist teacher called Pema Chodron. She says, everything we do, our discipline, effort, meditation, livelihood, we can use to help us realize our unity and our completeness with all things. We can use our lives to connect with that, or we can use them to become resentful, alienated, resistant, angry, bitter. As always, it's up to us. So may all beings 
find the path to happiness. May all beings find the path to peace. May all beings find the path to freedom. Just sit quietly for a couple of minutes. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.